0: What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because a year from now, you're going to wish you started it today. Today's guest is one of my most important online business mentors. I don't know if I've ever had a chance to thank you personally for that, but always trying to pay attention. Keep an eye on what Robert Farrington from The College Investor is up to. Robert, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. You bet. So fun fact, Robert was one of the very first guests back in 2013 back when like relatively speaking nobody was ever tuning in he was gracious enough to say yeah I'll jump on a podcast with you and actually we recorded a where are they now update three years after that that was early 2016 at that time the college investor was earning around 10 grand a month I think he were still working full-time at Target I think he may have might have only had one kid at that point so lots of life changes since then plus, some exponential growth on the business side today. The College Investor is one of the biggest personal finance media brands in the world, with over a million monthly visits, uh, covering student loans, covering taxes and tax software, investing, insurance, budgeting. If it's related to money, you're going to find it at the College Investor. And I want to catch up on all things SEO, affiliate marketing, online business, social media. But a couple quick plugs before we do. First, if you don't have a website of your own yet blogstartercourse.com is my free video course on how to get your own website up and running quickly and affordably. And if you already do have a website, hit up the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com robert3 to download my free guide to three quick ways to optimize your website for more conversions. Again, that's at sidehustlenation.com robert3 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. But Robert, let's Catch us up. What are some of the biggest shifts you've seen since that last recording
1: in, uh, in 2016? Man, I can't believe it has been since 2016. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. We can chat about any of these topics, whichever way you want to go, and kind of the state of media today, I guess. Because I don't like to view it. I mean, like I think when we last talked in 2016, I always viewed The College Investor as a blog, right? Um, And I don't really use that term anymore, right? So you kind of mentioned it in your intro that we're a media company. And that's how I like to view it. Because my goal really is to help people consume their financial content in the media that they prefer. And so we have the podcast, we have the website to read, we have short format video, long format video, and we play in all these different mediums. Because, you know, everyone has their style, their feeling, like what they prefer. Some people are listeners, some people are watchers, and some people are readers. And I think it's important to meet your audience wherever they're at. And so that's really been my big focus over the last five years is how do we build out these other verticals to reach people in ways that, you know, I'm personally a reader. So it's not native to me, but uh, I'm not my audience. And so how can we find them and meet them? Right.
0: Yeah. Do you recommend for people starting out to start with that media mentality of saying, well, I've got to, I've got to be in all these places. I got to do YouTube and TikTok and I got to have a podcast. And of course I've got to have the written content on the site so people can click on my links and buy my stuff. It seems daunting from the beginning. And of course you're 12, 13 years into this.
1: Yes, don't do it to start with. Do not do it to start with. I would say pick two. I would say pick a native one if you were starting today. So like figure out your style. Are you a reader? Are you a listener? Or are you a watcher? And make that your primary one. So if you like to podcast, make it audio, right? If you are video native, make it video and and pick your video platform, right? Whether that's YouTube or TikTok short format, or if you're a writer, start a website. I think there's still plenty of opportunity in all three of those mediums to create content. And then I would say pick a second one, right? And the second one should be the one you promote on that's like not The same, right? So if you're a podcaster, find one that's aligned to your space. So maybe it's business, right? So maybe LinkedIn should be your other platform, or, you know, if maybe it should be Instagram, maybe it should, you should have a blog to go with it, but complement your main one with something else that maybe it's not your native and, you know, learn and focus and try to grow that. But that way you have a complementary promotional channel for your main creation channel. And don't call it a blog. Is blogging dead? I don't think blogging's dead. But I mean, honestly, it's... When I think of a blog these days, I think of like Dear Diary kind of stuff, right? If you are creating a website, you should be creating it with the reader or the end user in mind. And, you know, maybe you are a really interesting person. And so like your diary could be the thing. (laughs) But I I think a lot of people are looking for the, the answer to their problems, the solution, the insight, the understanding of something. And that's really what you should be focused on creating if you're creating a website.
0: Yeah, this was a difficult shift for me because I started blogging on a personal domain in 2009. And it was this fun, creative outlet to practice writing for the internet. But, you know, no one had it. I was not that uh, interesting a personality for people to follow along with. And so it was only the, you know, a blind squirrel finding a nut in in my case, where like, a, you know, a handful of these posts did end up picking up some traffic, but totally by accident, but then you start to realize like, oh, those are the ones that answered people's questions. Those were something that people were typing in to Google, try to learn more about. I kind of miss writing for writing, like writing, you know, case study type of content. I don't know. I kind of miss that, you know, for focus on like this pure SEO type of play. And I'm grateful to have the podcast to explore longer form conversations that are less reliant on SEO because it's so hard to justify time wise, you know, spending two, three, four hours, like, you know, writing this, you know, more personal journal type of content for the website. But I like this call to pick a couple channels at the beginning. You know, your website maybe is the main one, and then, you know, some social channel where you can hopefully get some eyeballs. Like go where your go where your target audience already is and and try and pick up some visitors there.
1: Absolutely. And I'll put the, uh, like the kind of contrarian argument too out there that you need to have a platform that you own, right? So if you start on TikTok, on YouTube, on, uh, Instagram, you know, you don't own it. You are there at there at the big social media companies, like, you know, system and things change, right? Like, companies change their algorithms. Like you could get banned or blacklisted or who knows, shadow banned. But if you have your own website, your own email list, your own subscribers, you own that. And so as the world changes, because now I've been doing this almost 12 years... You know, platforms change, uh, things happen, but you're going to start a new one because if this is in you and you like video and let's just say YouTube stops becoming the thing, well, the next platform will emerge and you'll probably create video content there. But if you have your website and your subscribers and your email list, you could email them and be like, hey, I am moving to this new platform. Come join me. I have the same stuff and we're doing it over here now. And you can restart, move, change it up. But if you don't own your own plot of land, uh, you can't do that.
0: Yeah, this is, I think, an important point. You have to have some, some ownership over something, the email list, the website. Of course, you're subject to SEO algorithms, Google algorithms and stuff like that. But, you know, having a home base and then, you know, thinking of these tentacles or something like you reach out into the world, like trying to pull people off of YouTube off of TikTok off of Instagram to come and to come and find you. Come back, come back to my home base. Like this is where it's it's nice and warm. <laughs> exactly. This
1: is where it's safe.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. So, talk to me about. Uh, so, my understanding of the College Investor primarily an affiliate marketing business. You know, we're going to send people to this investment platform. We're going to send people to this tax software. We're going to recommend this company for student loan refinancing, like that kind of stuff. And so it plays in this space of drive a targeted traffic from Google and then
1: help people make their decisions
0: and make affiliate recommendations there. Is
1: that still the case? That's exactly what it is. So, you know, I could view ourselves as a financial media site where we are definitely helping to educate. Um, and that's our primary mission is financial literacy. So how do we help you understand what the heck is going on with your money, what you should be doing? And then, you know, the end of the day, though, is that, You have to be realistic of the world we're in. And every single thing that is going to ever happen to you with your money at the end of the day will involve a product or service. There's no way around it. Even if you're big into crypto and DeFi, there are still products and services out there that you will inevitably hit and come into contact with and have to understand how to navigate. So my goal first off is to educate and, you know, kind of entertain too, but really educate you to understand what the heck is going on. And then yes, to maybe point you to the product or service that is going to fulfill what you're looking for. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of financial products and services. I mean, like new ones pop up all the time, other ones die, things get acquired, things change. And so, uh, you know, we have a team that is out there reviewing and providing unbiased reviews on these products and services whether or not they're an affiliate partner. If you suck, like I'm going to tell you <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Because it's the right thing to do. And honestly, I always see two things happen. is One, the ones that suck typically get better. And then part two is there's another product or service that's going to fill the gap. The other thing I've realized is that, you know, a lot of these products or services are playing in a certain niche. And so you mentioned tax software a couple of times, Nick, and like you know there's no one size fits all when it comes to tax software. There is the right tax software for, you know, people that just have a W2 job. There's the right tax software for small business owners. There's the right tax software for investors. And this is how these markets have like differentiated themselves. So, yeah. If you were to say like, you know, I was big into the Robinhood thing last year and I was trying trading stocks, and I got into crypto, well, you know, it sucks. You're not going to be able to find any free tax software that's going to work for your situation because you did a bunch of quote unquote complex things last year. (laughs) And now you're going to have to report that and pay for it. And there's some tax software that makes it really easy, but you're going to pay 50 to $80 as a result of your meme stock chasing (laughs) that you did last year. But it's important for people to understand that because the first time people are going to encounter that, Nick, is when they get their tax forms in the mail or on their they get this notification on their app that says your tax forms are ready and they're like, what, huh? (laughs) And then you got to educate, you got to teach them because this might be a new experience for millions of Americans this year that you have to report gains and losses that you might have never had before. And so I love the financial literacy, the education piece, but I also like making sure that people are getting steered into the right product or service because... You know, I've been in this a long time, so have you. And there's so many scams and misleading things out there and people getting themselves into trouble. So I also like to help people avoid that. I really do.
0: (laughs) Totally. What do you see working right now in the world of SEO? SEO?
1: Oh man, SEO has been a challenge over the last 12 months. I think Google has literally updated their algorithm like twice a month, (laughs) all the time. But I do think at the end of the day, it comes down to a couple of things is one, it's creating the best content and you know, as annoying as Google is because you know, they have a, a, they do have a financial incentive to show the best content in their search, because if they stop doing that, people will stop using them, and I think we've seen that shift over the last year. And of course, it hasn't been huge, right? They maybe lost one to five percent of their search volume, but like people are looking at like DuckDuckGo and alternatives because they're like, man, you know, I'm kind of getting annoyed with all these ads and the way Google's showing results, and you know and if google keeps going down this road they will lose business and that's not good for them so all these updates for google is how do i show the best how do i show the most relevant how do i show what people are looking for and so for us as content creators i'm always asking myself like how do we show that this is the best content how do we communicate that you know we have great content that's accurate and that you know it it plays it and so that's really what my last year two really a long time has been but You know, we do these reviews, we show screenshots from within the product, we do video walkthroughs. You know, we've also been doing a lot of unique content. So like we've been commissioning our own surveys to have our own data that we can use to validate or show or and teach what we're talking about. And so, you know, it's really how do you create the best value for your readers, your watchers, your listeners. And I do think that Google will always surface that stuff up naturally. But it is hard, because you are competing against some big companies that can put out some junk, and just because they're a big company, their junk like ranks number one in google. but But I think that's it's going to continue to get knocked down over time because you know people get frustrated with that stuff. And so that's really been the state of search and SEO over the last year is I think you still create the best content. But what is the best content now? I think I saw a stat the other day, uh, Nick, that uh, TikTok overtook Google last year for traffic, right? Yeah, that was mind-blowing in a way. It was like, wow, okay. Right, but that just tells you people are looking for short format video. So if you want to be relevant today, you might really want to ask yourself, "Am I? could I create short format video around the same stuff? And um, I would say, yeah, I think everybody can, um, but it's not necessarily comfortable, but you should try it and you should see how it all relates this ecosystem because honestly like Google's search bots they're crawling TikTok. I've even seen some things where TikTok videos get embedded in search results these days. So it's only a matter of time before that stuff kind of gets pulled into the mainstream as it becomes more and more popular.
0: Yeah, I like I mean this is an interesting aspect of like what can you do to make your content stand out? Like if everybody has their own review of Fundrise and they have access to the same publicly available information. You can show screenshots uh, inside your account and you can, like everyone has the same stuff. So how do you make sure yours is the best and trying to add these unique user survey, like trying to figure out some way to differentiate this to make it stand out and then trying to play up the authoritativeness to trustworthiness. One thing that I've seen the last couple of years is Uh, Just authoritative outbound links, which is something I was like hesitant to do for my first few years of blogging. Like I don't want to link to anybody else. Like I I want to keep visitors on my own site. But you know, it's like, well, that's going to show Google that yeah, you're trying to you're trying to build a helpful resource, and you don't care. Like you're trying to you know give people the the best information that you can.
1: One thing I think about when I think about like when you use the example of a fundraiser review is you have to think of how it aligns with your brand. And so I've kind of been big on branding and I think we've had this conversation. It might even been on your last podcast is, you know, I view the college investor as a media brand. It is a company. My aspirational like designs are to be like New York Times esque where I have multiple writers. We have multiple, you know, verticals. That's my goal with the college investor. But um, I think, you know, if I was to look at the Fundrise review example, I think a, an angle I would come at it today is from the personal perspective. So I think the best players there are a personal brand. So it's a person, they're talking about their journey into investing, and they're sharing their story about investing and trying out fundraise and stuff because you're going to be very hard pressed to compete against the Fundrise reviews that already exist from sites like mine and NerdWallet and Bankrate and these big players in the space but you can share your story about how you started investing like you said link to these reviews to show that i've looked at reviews from multiple companies here's my personal experience you know show your screenshots show your investment returns talk about what's working what's not working and i think that goes a long way to get into the space and i think that's a big way to go about it i've noticed that in the what is EAT,
0: authoritative, expert expertise, authorita- I don't know what it stands and for. Trustworthiness, yeah, there you go. And so it seems like a lot of the articles, even though you've, you've got a team of writers helping you produce this stuff, it's still signed with your name as like the editor-in-chief, like I reviewed this. Does that play a role? Like if you're trying to grow an editorial team to you know, mm-hmm. eventually build up the author profile of some of these other writers so that they have the expertise, authority, trustworthiness to, you know, to start pulling their own ranking factors or their own uh, trust
1: factors in Google? Absolutely. So, you know, honestly, I still do create a lot of that content and I review it all. But we definitely have our authors that are publishing. So, Hannah is our writer that takes care of tax reviews, and um, you know, she has really built that authoritativeness and trustworthiness when it comes to tax. And, you know, she knows the ins and outs of all like fifteen of the major tax software providers and can rank them. And, you know, I'm a big fan of that. Mark Kantrowitz is a student loan expert and financial aid expert that's on our team, and he creates this amazing in-depth articles all around financial aid and student loans. And so I think it's very important to build up your writers. And yes, I still do a lot of the reviews. I do have some ghost writers, but for the most part, I do like my writers to stand on their own eat and their own stuff. So they get the byline? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay.
0: If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time Do you go with this, you know, broad personal finance media site, just as one example, or do you say like, I'm going to create the go-to destination for all things tax software. And that's like all I'm going to focus on comparisons, reviews, uh, you know, case studies, scenarios, like all that stuff. Versus trying to go really broad.
1: I think you start in a vertical. And I think you start in one, maybe a tangential one that's right aligned with it. That's where you do it, especially if you're going to go the media company route. And then you build from there. Because here's the other thing is that it gets challenging. So even if you wanted to go into the tax vertical, right? You're going to have 50 to 100 pieces of content that you're going to have to create. But then you're going to have to update that. All the time. And so (laughs) it's going to change every year. New stuff's going to come out. And so you're going to have your hands full with just that. And, you know, you might see some initial success, but come the next year, if you have not updated all your tax stuff, you're not going to see any success because the world's moved on. It's going to be 2023 and everything's going to be different and there's going to be new stuff. And new prices and everything else. And Google's not going to rank your content and people aren't going to read your content because they're going to know it's outdated. So I would say start in a single niche and be the best you can and keep that updated and then layer. Then layer onto the tangential and then go to the next tangential and see how you can go around with that kind of strategy.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I have found as well. The site, the Site Hustle Nation site has found itself in a pretty authoritative position for all things side hustle related, uh, making extra money, entrepreneurial related topics, but trying to, you know, branch out onto the shoulder stuff, like hasn't always worked out. So if I write, I wrote one post that I thought was pretty well done on like passive real estate investments, but it never got, uh, you know, maybe it got to the bottom of page one at one point, but it was like up against bigger pockets and these sites that only talk about real estate stuff. Like, yeah, they've got more authority in that area. So that's, what's going to show up. So, I agree with that, kind of niching down and staying in your lane to a certain point.
1: Absolutely. And theres I don't think there's anything wrong with answering a tangential question, especially if it's for your audience and your audience is asking about it and stuff. And I'm a big fan of if you could help one person, like you've probably won. So, you know, maybe this doesn't rank, but I'm a big believer in like karma and being helpful. And so like, if, you know, if it's helpful and your audience is asking for it and you create it, well, hopefully you've helped build your audience loyalty and your brand. And, you know, maybe it doesn't go anything beyond that. But you know, there's a lot of reasons to create content. I mean, yes, SEO is one reason to create content, but you know, also just helping people answering a question. I create a lot of the content because I'm selfish and I want to create this. Like this is something that I'm interested in and curious about. So yeah, like, you know, we always want to make money and that's, that's wonderful. And that's why a lot of us do this. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, it should also be entertaining and enjoyment. You should get enjoyment out of it. And so create the content while you want to and and realize there's different reasons to create content. For sure. On the monetization side,
0: any display ads on the site? Is it entirely affiliate?
1: You know, we run display ads on like seven pieces of content on the whole site. Um, And these are like basically like reference articles that get a lot of traffic that have no like affiliates or partners or anything that really makes sense to it. You know, like... They're great stuff like Ira contribution limits for 2022. Like they're useful. We link to them a lot. People are always curious about what these are, but like, you know, it is what it is. Like (laughs) you look at, you look at like, okay, it's 6,000 bucks this year. All right, I'm done. (laughs) So those are the kind of things we have it on like seven articles on the whole site, but I'm really not a fan of display ads for a couple of reasons. One, of course, you know, people hate them. They take away the user experience. I also think they're really kind of like going away like browsers. Like if you have Firefox today, I feel like your display ads are like automatically blocked by default. Like it's not even like a choice you have. Like Firefox just blocks all display ads. And a lot of people are using these other browsers, right? And so, you know, I don't think that, I think display ads will always exist just like we still have billboards today, but they are just gonna be less and less relevant going forward and they're not the greatest. Like they definitely serve a purpose, but they're not like the greatest way to monetize, I don't think. What's the network that you're using for those handful of articles? Uh, just Google. Just Google AdSense. Nothing okay. nothing fancy. Um, I like to keep the code to a minimum. I think it's just keep it as clean as you possibly can uh, if you're going to do it. Now,
0: one thing that you mentioned um, with the tax software is like this constant updating um, of, of old content, which has become a little bit of a pain point, And I only have a fraction of the content that you do. It's like going back and I gave the analogy of like, you know, it's painting the Golden Gate Bridge. By the time you finish, you got to start back over at the beginning. I'm curious how you deal with that process of constantly updating, refreshing, making sure this is still accurate and relevant for what I imagine is hundreds and hundreds of posts.
1: Yeah, so a few strategies we have. So I think I talked to you about this before whether it was on the podcast or definitely in person is I use Asana, my content management platform and you know everything's runs through there. So we have a couple lists that we keep Going. So like I have an annual one. We're recording this in January. So I just did our annual updates to move everything that was from 2021 to 2022. And I actually keep a running list of blog posts every year. And these are things like, what are the 20? So like we might have an article that references like the 401k contribution limits. So we put it there. And then at the end of the year, we roll everything over so that everyone's getting the fresh you know, 2022 contribution limits instead of the 2021. So one, it's being organized. Number two is I have an inbox that's on the College Investor that I ask all of our companies and partnerships to send me your product updates. So a lot of these companies will send you updates when they update their products. And it's kind of annoying because you get all these like... They, they Oh, we have a new feature or we have a new tool. But honestly, it's extremely helpful. They're doing all the hard work for you. So if you do a review of a product or service, get on their mailing list, make sure you know, and then you'll get an email when they launch something new. And then you just have to go to your review and you can make sure you're updating it or you're updating their pricing. And then finally, there's just a lot of manual checks, right? So uh, you know, we try to go through a lot of our main content. I like to do um, the top 100 audit. Uh, I try to do that every quarter, and this is where you just go to Google Analytics. You take your top 100 visited posts, export them to a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet, and just open them all up and literally check them and make sure that you know they're all still current, updated, makes sense. You know, no broken links that whole thing. So yeah, and there's just a lot of systems that we've built. And, you know, it's not easy. And we're still finding things all the time that are outdated, but you try to update it as quick as you can. But I think that really goes a long way to keeping your site relevant. It helps with SEO. It helps with everything because, you know, people don't want to read an article that says like, oh, I made my IRA contribution for 2018. Well, it's like, that's so outdated at this point in time. Like, I don't know if I even want to read the rest of this article because, like, is anything else like messed up in a line? So you just got to stay on it.
0: Yeah. And it's, I don't know how Google knows this, or maybe it's kind of like by crowdsourcing information from other sites where they say, well, this is no longer accurate, or they check the publishing date or something. But it does seem to help keeping things up to date and accurate, both for user experience, but of course for SEO as well. And I found the same thing. If you are a valued affiliate partner for these companies, they'll send you those updates, especially if you ask, like, hey, I need some help updating this review. Could you even, could you dump this into Google Drive? Could you dump this into Word? And, like, mark changes, like, what needs to be updated? Found that really helpful, both for the virtual assistant site that I ended up selling in for some of the Side Hustle Nation content. They'll send you screenshots. They'll really make it, make your life easier for you because they want you to continue to rank well and continue to send you, uh, send visitors over their way. So I like that. That's been a, that's been a struggle, like prioritizing new content versus, well, I could probably get a better uh, return on time by just uh, updating some of the old stuff.
1: It's it. And it's like, uh, you know, it's definitely a time management thing, right? So I try to like update, I spend probably. Probably fifty-fifty of my time that I dedicate to the site. It's like fifty percent is editing and reviewing new content, and then honestly, like fifty percent is updating old content. Because even in the new content, we'll link to the old content. And then I go to that one, and I'm like, "Oh man, now I got to spend some time updating this one." Because like you know, it all links together, right? <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, this domino effect. It's it can get it, the project that you started on is not anywhere, and you ended up by the end of the day. I've totally been there.
1: Yep, exactly
0: anything on the like keyword research or new content prioritization front to say well what what ought we cover next like trying to figure out in the in the broad world of of money topics to talk about how to figure out well what what should we write about what's the publishing schedule look like
1: we publish uh... Five days a week, at least. Uh, right now, we're publishing every day, but a lot of that's updating our tax reviews because it's just a flood of that right now. But you know, honestly, when I don't do a lot of keyword research, and I know that's always surprising to people, it's not something that is exciting. It's fun to me. I just like to think about topics that I see myself in my own reading. So like, what are people talking about on Twitter? What are people talking about in the news? What are people commenting on on our own website? Like, what are the conversations that are happening around us? And like, sometimes like ideas just come from that, right? Oh my gosh, I should write about this. A recent example of that was um, Biden just extended the student loan pause to May 1st, right? And uh, we have like a, a an article that, you know, is student loan forgiveness by executive order legal? We're of the opinion it's not. But I had this interesting idea that just popped up and came to me. It's like, well, you know, I don't think he can forgive student loans. But like, what's to say that he doesn't just keep extending them forever and ever. So he never actually has to like forgive anything, but no one ever has to pay, right? It's like a catch-22. So like we wrote an idea about that. And I, I put that down, we got it out, put it out the next day. You know, it went kind of viral at the time. And, you know, it's just interesting. So it's like, what can you write about that's kind of interesting, that's trending on the day's topics that's related to your industry or niche. And and that's really kind of how I create new content. And then I would say like we talked about a lot of stuff is republishing old content, right? So like, we spent a lot of time updating our tax reviews. So, like, what's new with TurboTax this year and having to republish that review and re record a new video and all that. And so, that takes a lot of time and that fills a lot of the content calendar. And then, these ideas of, you know, what's going on, like what's trending. And that also is like the other half of our content calendar. Yeah,
0: paying attention to timely topics, especially for some of the social media content, I imagine the TikToks, Instagrams of the world, like that tends to perform a little bit better, at least based on based on what other people tell me. I have yet to uh, crack open uh, TikTok myself, but maybe we'll talk about that. Like the other content channels that the college investor has branched out to, you've got the Don't Call It a Podcast podcast audio blog, you've got the uh, YouTube stuff, you've got the TikTok stuff, which is not you in front of the camera dancing around. It's You got other people doing this stuff. So uh, you talk about expanding the empire there?
1: We started with the podcast. So I call it the College Investor Audio Show. And it really is just our written content transformed into audio. And Honestly, I, I wanted to try this as an experiment. And I think we launched this in 2017. And honestly, it's it's been successful. I, I would mark it as successful. So we passed a million downloads last year on the podcast. We're getting like 50, 60,000 downloads a month. And these are like native on podcast platforms, right? And I, I get people like I had an email this morning that said, I listened to your podcast. And some people don't even necessarily realize it's like connected to a whole website, right? So it's really interesting how that that medium has grown, and you know, honestly, I don't think we monetize it that well, but we've definitely been able to monetize it with some ads and sponsorships and, and different things. And I, I think we could do a lot better. But I think it's and this we, is a voiceover actor reading your posts. That's it. It's a it's a radio show um, professional radio guy, and he ad-libs our posts. So you know, it's not reading. It's not dry. This guy has a, a talent because he's a radio show host, and this is his this is his side hustle of creating a, our podcast, right? And so, and he does that with uh, the College Investor and our new show, Colts of Bunny. and it, it's been, I think, wildly successful. You know, we've had our YouTube channel for a long time, and we grew into TikTok this last year, and TikTok's been our biggest growth medium. And it's really interesting how short format video is played. So we went from zero to we're almost at like thirty thousand, you know, followers on TikTok, and. About twelve months, and you're right. It's uh, we have a team of two, and they kind of alternate content. And they create the short format videos there, and just drop them in. And then we're able to also repurpose that video where we do well on uh, Instagram Reels, and we also put it on YouTube Shorts, and it does really well on all of those mediums from just creating that one piece of content. And we're seeing traffic to our site from these. And I would also say the interesting thing that. Um, I try to do is going back to social media is taking those trending topics and writing about them. So I still am a firm believer that the best conversions and the best conversations or the best knowledge comes from having a web page. I think you have to have that written content. And I see that because we've taken some of These TikTok trends, maybe about things that could be a scam, which is the one I'm thinking about the most. So we wrote about this thing that, you know, some of these people were pitching and we wrote a whole article about why it was basically not a great thing to do. And we were the only ones that were talking about it, but all these people were searching for it. And where do you think they were searching it from? They saw it on TikTok, they went to Google and they're like, what the heck is this thing? And they found our article and they learned about it, right? And so I think there's a lot of potential here to take things that you see on social media platforms, even if you don't wanna create the video content, you could write about them. You can podcast about them because people have questions. You don't get to answer the whole conversion funnel or the whole educational funnel in a 10 to 30 second clip on social media, right? And so, you know, how are the quote unquote scammers doing it? Well, they have a link in their bio to sign up for a webinar or whatever. Like they're going still traditional here, but they're hooking them on that. And so you can also hook and educate them in other ways using other people's videos as well. Are you tasking those
0: TikTok creators with coming up with the ideas based on your existing content? Is this a project in Asana where you dump in ideas on stuff to create things about? Like, I just have a hard time, when the, the entire universe is a realm of possibility for what to TikTok about, I have a hard time narrowing that down and saying, well, okay, here's, here's a catchy video idea.
1: All of the above. So, you know, we have some themes and we have some things that we want to cover. But honestly, you get a lot of ideas just scrolling through your TikTok feed, seeing what's trending. And then like you get that light bulb moment, right? Where it's like, oh my God, we should totally say, like use this trend and talk about getting out of debt. Like it just works so naturally. And then it's like, we send that, we drop either drop it in Asana or send it as a DM to the creators. And like, hey, you should consider doing this video, hit this trend. And so it's a lot of fun because you know it's really infotainment and we try to give really good info but still make it entertaining because honestly there is a fire hose of bad information on TikTok and a lot of these short format video platforms. So it's like how can we be the source of good information and be entertaining enough to get the views? What's been your best performing TikTok so far? I'd say our best performing one was a bunch of lists. It was a list of basic investing terms like what is a stock? What is a bond? And so people think it's like dancing or funny things. And it's like, no, we just went up there and we're like a stock, like own a share of a company, a bond, you lend money to a company. And we just broke down like an index. It's a list of stocks. And like, honestly, I think that was over half a million views in like a, you know, about a week period. And it was just like literally listing out what the heck these terms mean. And you should see all these people in the comments. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I wish someone would have told me this in high school. I wish like, you know, this would be basic education." And that's what just makes it so heartwarming to even create this content because I like I do feel like we're educating and you see these comments of people that were like they never knew what these basic terms were. Interesting. The video
0: glossary for your niche. There's a uh, a TikTok idea for it.
1: Exactly. You. I think that's a solid one for any niche. 100%.
0: Do you have a sense of the ROI here or is it just kind of an audience building play at this point?
1: Honestly, it's a break-even ROI. There's no no real value, but I think we're we're earning enough through the few sponsorships and clinics to the site to cover the cost, but it's definitely audience building. And we're only at 30,000 followers. So I do feel like that at least, if they're, if we get to a point of like 100, 200,000 followers, um, there'll probably be an inflection point, right? And that's where I think, i'd like to get to but honestly it's brand building and brand awareness too i think we reach a brand new audience that has never heard of the college investor these are they're kind of video tiktok native folks and they might not even be going to google too much to get their information right and so it's like if we can reach them educate them teach them i feel like we're doing the right things in that regard is there a typical call to action in the video like what's the link in bio in your case yeah. So, I mean, we have the link in bio. It's just like to, uh, it's just like, uh, Instagram or any of the other ones. So we have a link in bio. We try, if there's a blog post that relates to the video, we try to make sure it's in the link in bio. People can click to it. I see the ROI. I see people clicking through. We can track it, but you know, it, it's not huge. I think it, like anything else, right? It's like an extra two steps. So people don't always do it. So, you know, you just try the best you can though.
0: More with Robert in just a minute, including his email marketing and paid traffic strategies and the most important metrics he tracks in his online business. But first, let me take a moment to thank our sponsor, FreshBooks. Robert and I will tell you there's a lot to love about being your own boss, but trying to figure out your financials all on your own may not be one of those things. Luckily for that, there's our sponsor, FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for side hustlers, service providers, and business owners like you. FreshBooks takes all of the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the all-new digital bills and receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. With a ton of different reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand over the keys to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Give FreshBooks a try for free for 30 days. There's no credit card required. Go over to freshbooks.com side hustle to get started today. Again, that's freshbooks.com side hustle. And let me know, what are you gonna do with those extra 11 hours a week? One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than Social Butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This Is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside you'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those (laughs) tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Has email marketing been a big focus for you? It doesn't seem super prominent on thecollegeinvestor.com, where you see on a lot of other sites, you know, this big hero banner above the fold, you know, download our free 10-step guide to getting your money in order in the new year or something. I don't know. I don't see a ton of that, but I imagine just By virtue of the volume of traffic that comes by, there's got to be an email component.
1: We definitely do email marketing. It has been on the back burner probably for the last four or five years, Honestly, it's a project that we're actually working on as we're recording this to kind of revamp all of our email opt-ins and our email sequences. I'm not huge on email because, you know, it's never been my thing. I've never personally liked it, but I know there's a lot of people that do. And so, we're kind of revamping all of that. But yes, we do have email marketing. Honestly, the reason why we're revamping it is like, you know, we do send a few email blasts here and there. I'd say, you know, a couple times a month, and they convert. And so the question is is like can we do more? Of that and get more people subscribed and get our list refreshed and you know add value and so that's a project that we're working on behind the scenes right now to, to get all that revamped because i think it has potential you know is it the end all am i this guy that like you got to have the list you got to have the list no <laughs> but i, I think it, it's a valuable component if you can keep up with it
0: let's well, counter to a lot of online businesses the money is in the list it's all about the list you know get sign up for my thing so it's it's cool to hear, well, hey, you know, it's not the only way. It's so similar, like, you know, for, you know, messenger marketing, SMS marketing, like push notifications, like anything like that to just, you know, so a lot of it right now relies on other people, either searching, seeking out this information and, and discovering you through your uh, SEO efforts or your social efforts. But, you know, once, once you have that person, like, you know, they may never find you again until they have the next question. And so the email or, you know, these other, you know, push marketing tactics gives you a way to, you know, reach people um, at other times when you have something to say.
1: Absolutely. And so we've been doing uh push notifications now for a few years. I actually really love push notifications. Um, It can get a little expensive though. And so we're rethinking like how much we want to do on push notifications, but it works, drives traffic. We see conversions from it, you know, and, and so I, I'm a fan. I think you just need to capture your readers somehow so that they remember you and try the best you can. And I'm, you know, a big believer that social media is basically that. And so that's where it's like, you know, if you can get these people to like You know, follow you on social media, it's effectively the same thing as subscribing to any of these things too. So, again, how can we meet people where they want to be? And so, I think email is valuable because some people will prefer email every day of the week over, you know, following you on a social channel. Some people want that push notification over other things. Some people want to, you know, so how can you just give your audience what they want? The hard part is, is managing all of it. And, you know, you got to stay up on all of it as well, right? Yeah, it becomes
0: a lot of different channels to try and play uh, whack a mole with in some ways. But the so push notifications this is the little, uh, you know, browser thing that pops up when the first time you visit a site like this,
1: I would like to send you notifications, except uh, decline. Yep, exactly. What's the software that you're using for that? We're using Push Crew. Which I think they got rebranded as like VWO, but you can still find them as Push Crew out there. And uh, you know, it, it's super simple. I mean, it's just create a link, send it out. You can schedule it. Um, we do segment it too, so you can do a little coding to like have it by category of your site. So you know, we try not to blast people with offers that they're not interested in. You know, if you're interested in like student loans, like we sent like a reminder, like hey, you know, the student loan pause got extended. You know, here's an article about it. And so we try to keep it so it's like relevant breaking people want to click on it keep it with their niche right
0: okay so you're able to send out not necessarily sales pitches but just you know something that might be relevant to you based on the page you were on when you opted in for this thing
1: exactly 100 percent.
0: okay you doing anything paid traffic wise facebook google youtube
1: we do a lot of paid marketing, um, a lot of Google ads. We do it with our big affiliate partners um, to try to drive traffic there. I also do a lot of remarketing. Um, the only Facebook ads we do are remarketing. Um, and then we do a lot of Google ad remarketing as well. And that's actually really been successful, right? So if people have come and read a, a tax software review, they'll probably get remarketed to like, Hey, you know, compare the best options over here right and you know go go to this landing page and same thing with all of our content and i think remarketing is awesome because it's just it's so cheap and so when they actually do convert it's it's, it's it, it works right like I'm, I'm a fan of the remarketing
0: okay so you're pixeling people who land on the site to read this particular software review and if they don't go click through out oh, of it's a little bit trickier i guess you can do like Post back tracking on the conversion side. But so if they don't convert, then you can follow them to Facebook, Instagram,
1: and say, hey, you know, check out the, you know, figure out what the best option is for you. You got it. And so, yeah, we have it all set, all these rules, right? So, like if they read it, they get one. If they went to the checkout and didn't convert, you get another one, you know, and you could do all these things and it takes a little bit to set up. But as a result of the traffic you have and you're targeting, though, it's very inexpensive, you know, like, pennies to like track these people and then when they do convert the value is typically over you know you're making roi on it you have a positive roi on the transaction are you optimizing for clicks or conversions inside that facebook campaign we are optimizing for conversion so one of the things i did a few years ago is really try to make sure we have great conversion tracking, get everything set up so that we can see what is actually happening. And as a result, we're able to effectively do conversion tracking campaigns with affiliates. This was ClickMeter for a while, but now it's something different. Still is ClickMeter. So ClickMeter is the basis of it. Uh, And then we add on layer on reporting with things like uh, Whoopras or reporting software, but it's all built on ClickMeter and the ClickMeter API. Woopra
0: is a new one for me.
1: W-O-O-P-R-A, Woopra. You got it, yep. So this allows
0: you to, well, you probably explain it better than me.
1: Well, Woopra is just really a reporting platform. And so you can take your data from all your sources, your website traffic, your click meter, which is all your affiliate clicks and conversions. We also have it hooked with our email lists and our push notifications and everything And then you could start running reports that says, you know, how, what customers are doing what? You could say, what are your money pages? Like, what pages are making you the most money? You know, what verticals are making you the most money? How are your YouTube videos actually converting? Because you can create unique links on your YouTube videos. And I can tell you exactly. I can also tell you. I could tell you my YouTube videos, who's converting on the video, but I could also tell you who's referring, who's coming to my site from YouTube, like maybe clicking the review to read it in depth and converting there as well, right? And so you can really get a holistic picture of what's working, what's not working, where to focus your attention. And so it's a very powerful tool to help you understand what's working and what's not working for your business.
0: Very cool, I have looked into setting it up a couple of times and have
1: gotten intimidated, so maybe it's time to uh, to give it another look it's It's intimidating that that is for sure, <laughs> but once you get it set once you get it set up and you don't have to tinker with it too much, it's wonderful
0: <laughs> all right that's fair that's fair. So something else on kind of the tracking analytics side you know are there a handful of metrics that you know are on your you know daily dashboard or what's the most important? Numbers that you're looking for that you're trying to move the needle on?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I look a ton at, you know, just our visitor data like, how's our traffic doing? What can we improve on? Um, I think the big thing with Google over the last year is, you know, we play in about five or six different major verticals. And it's like they took away a couple of our verticals, they favored some other verticals. And so it's like, what are where are people at and what's working today? And and like what the heck is like my site known for at this point in time. And so always trying to focus on that. We focus a lot on revenue per page, revenue per visitor, those type of metrics to see how we can increase it, especially on our pages where you have multiple offers, right? So like, are your offers optimized? Because at the end of the day, you can only get so many visitors to that page, but you might have the potential to earn... Significantly and more money if you just optimize what's already happening there, right? So, you know, who do you got? What's the order that you're positioning people on? Like, can you ask, uh, you know, go back to your advertisers and ask them for more? Is there an advertiser that's like really off base? Like, you know, is this advertiser paying you a hundred? Their main competitor paying you a hundred and this other guy's paying you ten dollars? Like, could you go to that ten dollar partner and be like, dude, all your other partners are paying this? Like, you need to come out to the plate you need to to do more, and you know it happens all the time, and so I think it's important that you're you're looking at that kind of stuff to see how you optimize because everyone that has a website or a content business probably has those eight or ten partners slash pages slash offers that just do well, and you know how can you get a little more bang for your buck out of what's already working for you?
0: so this is trying to put your if you're an affiliate site trying to put your top performing links closer to the top
1: exactly or you know try to convert better or you know could you you know go to that top converting partner and like do more together could you you know try something in a different vertical with that partner since you know they're already working on one side like hey do you guys want to try to sponsor the podcast or hey do you want to you know come and try to do a tiktok together like let's see what we can do to work together Um, because you already know we're working well in some other aspects right
0: yeah is there a target revenue per page revenue per visitor
1: number that is shooting for or that you'd like to see you know it's hard uh we've come a long way over you know the last few years i say when i started tracking this we were down at like here let me see if i can pull the data i think we were down at like the 2 3 cents per visitor um Level. And we've significantly got that up. Like we are, we're rolling, you know, 20 cents, 25 cents. I'd like to really be over 20 cent revenue per visitor across the board. I think that is a fair place to be, but you got to start somewhere, right? And so it's just optimizing what you already have going on. Yeah, that's outstanding to say, like,
0: okay, every, every, <laughs> every five people who stop by the site, I just made a dollar on average. Exactly, so, right? All right. Start stacking it up, start trying to find uh, some more traffic there. I don't know. It sounds like you're in it for the long haul. Like, hey, I want to build the New York Times, the personal finance. Would you ever sell this thing? Like, it's no longer, you know, in 2013, especially, it was, you know, your face on the mug, maybe even still 2016 when we recorded. But now it's very much, you know, a a media brand versus, you know, I'm Robert, I'm the student loan expert.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm always open to entertaining these offers. And we've gotten multiple Nice, unsolicited offers over the last you know year or two that are some crazy amounts of money, but honestly i it's like you know it has to be really crazy for me to like consider it because I do enjoy what we're doing. you know we're trucking along here, I have a, a ton of lifestyle freedom that most of these offers right are contingent on me like still doing what I'm doing, but now I'm an employee for some big brand right. <laughs> Right. And get none of the upside. <laughs> and get none of the upside, right? Well, you get the upside, I guess, up front. But, you know, so there's like, Pros and cons to it. I mean, if someone came with an outlandish number, I would probably say, have to say yes, just because it's the right thing to do for myself and my family. But, you know, I love what we're doing. And, you know, we started another brand, Cult of Money, this last year. That's been really fun because it's basically starting from scratch. And so, you know, I'm still having a blast at what we're doing, kind of building this, like you said, a little media, small media empire here as long as it's fun and enjoyable and it provides for my family, I think I'll still keep doing it. But you know, we're the offers are always there and they're coming in. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, maybe someone will throw something crazy out. I can, can't say no to, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to... Because well, then you have to
0: answer the question of, well, what next? I don't know. You get this big lump sum, you pull forward your earnings for a few years, but then you still have to answer the question of, well, how am I going to spend my time and if you enjoy what you're doing and you might as well keep doing it you mentioned cult of money this is cultofmoney.com. personal finance for the crypto curious uh, this is you know tackling a new up and coming thing or maybe up and came thing in the in the world of personal finance
1: I hope it's not up and came but I' feel, I'm still very bullish on it and so yeah I started cult of money um, really because I've myself have been dabbling in crypto and stuff since 2016, 2017. And I've been very interested. This last year I became very interested in NFTs and really dove in deep. And the one thing I learned when I was diving into all this is that there is not really a lot of beginner-friendly content in the crypto space. And there was really no content that like really helps people understand how crypto and this new emerging Web3 market plays with their personal finance. But at the same token, all these personal finance brands were jumping into the crypto space, right? You're seeing crypto rewards, debit cards, and credit cards. And, you know, I feel like everyone's been marketed for a Coinbase account or a Gemini or whatever, right? So like, People are having questions about what these products and services are, but they don't understand it. And as I dove deeper in and I was even trying to learn how to do different things, there just was not a ton of resources out there that could help. So I decided to create one, right? And so we launched Cult of Money in September and it's been fun because I have all this knowledge that I've done over the last decade with the college investor um, and we have a little bit of money and resources to kind of, do it right. And so, you know, we've been putting out this content to, you know, see if we can do it again or not, you know, just add to our existing portfolio. Right. Keep it spinning. Yeah. You've got the advantage of a decade plus
0: in the online business space, in the content creation space, say, Hey, we're going to take this to a slightly different niche. Is there a reason you didn't just keep it under the college investor umbrella to try and you know, capitalize on the domain authority that you already had?
1: Yeah, so we have a ton of crypto content already on the College Investor and we rank really well in that space. And uh, it already is there. And honestly, it's there's a lot of tangent content that's like very similar on both sites. One of the best pieces of advice I got for someone that I kind of view as a mentor was, you know, what's wrong with having two things that rank well, or what's wrong with having two properties that do the same thing? And when you really think about it, like, there's nothing wrong with it, and so you know the college investor is still focused a lot on helping people get out of student loan debt and start investing and in building wealth. And crypto will be a part of that, but it's a small part, right? Colts of money is really going to be the deep dive into the the more interesting, you know, deeper crypto stuff from what's decentralized finance and how to get into NFTs and you know a lot of the technical stuff. And I think there'll be a lot of cross promotional opportunities between both those platforms as well. So I think it works out both ways. But, you know, I I just kind of find to start a whole new project from scratch anyway. So we have a, you know, the cult of money has its own TikTok channel, the cult of money has its own podcast. And so, you know, I I mean, I guess I could have done them both under the college investor. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of easier to just kind of define the brands out separately.
0: No, that's fair. I'm I'm just curious, you know, what's going on here um, for future projects, uh, how to pay taxes on your crypto gains, which are the best crypto savings accounts for 2022, um, all sorts of cool content
1: over there. It's important to teach people things to think about how cryptocurrencies work. But I do think what's interesting is that crypto and this space is gonna be how people transact on the internet in the future because it's decentralized, there's a level of security there, it's instant. So like there's use cases today that are just amazing for using crypto. Let's say that you have family overseas. Let's say that they're in Mexico or another country. There's no need to ever go to Western Union or a money transfer service anymore get a digital wallet. You can send them Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever token you want. They can get it. It's verified in minutes. Boom. And then most of the places allow you to spend it or you can transfer it to your local fiat currency. And it's very easy. So there's a lot of use cases today that you can start to understand. And then when you get into things like NFTs that are very interesting, and I'm not talking about buying a Bored Ape or buying a CryptoPunk and some random artwork, but you have to realize that you know these collectible companies even disney and you know warner brothers are launching digital collectibles in this space and then nfts have utility because the real way to think about nfts is it's it's verified digital ownership of something and yes that something today is art or a collectible but there's other people that are doing it as uh, memberships to their communities. there's other people that are doing it as conference tickets. there's a lot of ways to leverage these NFTs that aren't just art and that's what's really interesting because now you have this digital verified ownership of something. And you could sell it and transfer it and do different things with it that, you know, if you were to buy, you know, a ticket for any kind of other event, it could be a challenge or Ticketmaster is going to take their 80% cut or who knows, right? Like, so like, there's a lot of opportunity here to leverage this space for other things. But I think it's important for people to understand how it works. I think it's important for people to understand some basics like security, what. Two factor authentication is how to store your crypto securely because these are the kind of things that apply across everything, even with your regular bank accounts and your account and, and things like that. Like it really goes a long way to help people. Yeah, there's definitely
0: an opportunity to play in this creating beginner friendly content space because you come in on Twitter and everybody assumes you know what all these different terms mean and cold storage and all All, all this stuff. It's like, okay, yeah, break it down for me. Help me compare and contrast the different options for the crypto curious, cultofmoney.com. Of Of course, The Investor.com. Really appreciate you joining me again. Always a pleasure to hang out, geek out on all this uh, online business stuff. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation 2022 edition, and then we'll uh, take a trip down memory lane and examine the uh, first other couple
1: tips. Definitely. So I think my number one tip for 2022 is going to be patience. And uh, I'm experiencing this now with cults of money, right? So we started in September, and it just takes time to get things going. And especially if you're starting your new side hustle in 2022. like You don't just pop overnight. You just got to put in the work and continue at it. But be patient. Like The success will come over time as you practice, as you get awareness, as people around you know. But be patient. It will come. And especially in this really crazy world of like, you don't even know what's going to happen in your community tomorrow. Like, just be patient, but still work on it. Put in the work, but be patient.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some, you know, multi-year screenshots of traffic stats, podcast download stats. And it's like, the line is so close to zero for the first three years. Like, It's almost like, were you doing anything? It's like, yeah, I was creating this content. I was, you know, building this thing and I, and I loved every minute of it. But it's like if you zoom out, you're like, well, relatively speaking, nobody was paying any attention. What made you keep going? But so if you are in that space, you know, maybe you're a year, maybe you're two years into it, you know, keep going because there often is that exponential growth or is that little bit of of pop uh, that happens some sometime in the future. So I appreciate that call to have a little patience. You see these viral success stories. Oh, it was my sixth. I think that was uh, Tori Dunlap. I think it was my sixth video on TikTok that, you know, went viral and I got a uh, hundred thousand followers. 2013, number one tip was, and I don't expect you to remember this. So I'm just going to spell it out <laughs> was uh, network and get to know others in your niche and take action. Uh, 2016, which is also still really pertinent today is to look at your analytics and double down on what's working. That's something that I try and do on a, on a monthly or quarterly basis. Anyways, say like what, where, what's actually driving? ROI, what's actually driving the business forward and keep doing more of that. So really appreciate all of those tips over the years.
1: Anything else before we wrap up? Nope. That was it. I, I really love that networking one too, man. That Cause that reminds me so much of what we're doing in this, uh, in the, with Cult of money is networking with people in this new space, which is also very fun. So if you're looking for a change, network with people in your industry. It's it's very enjoyable to connect with other people that are new, especially when we have this just this weird environment around us, right? So get out, network and connect. I love it. And the number one way to do that, at least in my book, has been
0: through a podcast. It gives you an excuse to call up people you otherwise would never have a reason to talk to. Hey, you want to come on the podcast? We'll talk crypto, we'll talk, you know, whatever niche that you want to play in. It helps you become part of that community. So if you don't have a website of your own yet, blogstartercourse.com is my free video course on how to get your own website up and running quickly and affordably. And if you do already have a site, hit the show notes for this episode at com slash robert3 to download my free guide to three quick ways to optimize your site for more traffic and more conversions. Again, that's at SideHustleNation.com slash Robert3 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Robert for sharing his insight once again. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Give it a try today at RankIQ.com to focus your energy and attention creating content that is actually going to get traffic. And hit up FreshBooks.com slash hustle to start your 30-day free trial today of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for side hustlers and freelancers everywhere that is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.